0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. God is greater than, and if you're a mathematician, it would be God is greater than X, and you've got to figure out what X is based on your life. God is greater than what? Than my weakness. And maybe it's uh, you don't feel you're eloquent enough. Maybe you don't have enough Bible knowledge. Maybe you feel if you had more money, you could do more for God. If you had more time, you could serve more. If you were just a little more confident or competent, that God is greater than... And just think about it for a moment. God, God's greater than because he is so great, God is so great that humanity cannot change his divinity and the acts of humanity cannot change our theology. So, I want to talk to you today about the Apostle Paul, and no doubt you know the story of his own weakness. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So, if you have a Bible, you'll want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And while you turn there, let me make this this statement. It's also in your notes. When we are weak, that weakness gives space for God's grace and greatness to show up. That somehow at the corner of our weakness and his divinity, this intersection of his greatness appears. And he does things with us and through us that we could not do on our own. It was a few years ago that uh, I was interviewed by our Foursquare uh, magazine, and they asked me this question, how come God has allowed LFC to impact the community, and how come God's allowed us to build buildings, and how come God... Just all these questions. And the writer... Was waiting for me to say, you know, the, here's ten steps to leadership greatness, and or here's something that I possess that I was able to accomplish, and and I just said my first answer was, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Except I do know this, that God's hand is upon us, and that God has done things in spite of us, in spite of our weakness, in spite of our fear at times, and in spite of our willing to take risk or, or, or our possession of being risk averse. And somehow God would, would use us anyway to impact people for Jesus. He's writing, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And I want you to think about Corinth for a moment. It's like New York. It's like Chicago. It's uh, Los Angeles on a good day. It's uh, San Francisco. It's a city where people want to go. There's museums, there's culture, there's affluence there. People are very proud of their Corinthian architecture, big columns and large corbels on buildings. And everything is posh and prestigious. This is the Corinthian style. They place a great value on educations and accomplishments. And everyone has a resume and it's squeaky clean. Everybody's statement about everybody is how great they are. No one talks about weakness. No one talks about problems. Everybody talks about how powerful they are. And the church was actually using this between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians as a calling card. It wasn't come to our church and be transformed by Jesus, but it was come to our church here's some false teaching. Well, we won't tell you that up front, but here's some false teaching and come to our church because this is where all the good people and perfect people go and strong people, just like the Corinthian columns are strong. We're strong. Come here and be strong with us. And Paul the apostle began to hear about their resume and he thought, I've got a resume that will outdo them. But if you know anything about the apostle Paul, he addresses all the churches that he writes with this kind of a statement. I am Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. He makes sure that people understand that Jesus is all in all, that he is everything. And his whole life focuses not so much on his problems or his weaknesses, but rather the greatness of the Lord. You won't find the apostle Paul talking much about himself in a uh, position of greatness rather than in this book. He, he uses it. And the reason he does, he's trying to hook these listeners to listen to what he's about to say. If he came out and said, I'm Paul and I've got weaknesses, they'd shut him down cold. So he starts by telling people how great he is. Actually, in 2 Corinthians 11:21, 21, he says, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. That's a pretty strong statement. I'm speaking as a fool. In other words, only fools boast about themselves. So can you imagine now, again, you're a boaster about yourself. You're reading his letter and you say, <laughs> you hear, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare, however, dare to boast about myself. It's like, don't you dare, but I will Are they Hebrews? Verse 22 and 23. So am I. Are they Israelites? Me too. Are they Abraham's descendants? I am as well. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked harder than you. I've done more than you. I've been in prison more often than anyone. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again and again. And all he's trying to do is speak into their value system Because they valued resumes where people boasted about themselves. Then the next chapter, chapter 12, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 5, he says, I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained when you boast and when you brag about yourself. I'll go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I knew a man, he says, by the way, speaking about himself here, in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Now, you have to stop there and go, Okay. 14 years ago, God somehow, by his Holy Spirit, brought Paul up into the third heaven. Not like the the first or second layer, into the third heaven. He waited 14 years to tell anybody about this. Listen, folks, if the Lord brought me up to the third heaven, I'm going to be Facebook Living and Periscoping and Instagramming and Pinteresting and texting all of you. Guess where I am? I'm in heaven. See you Sunday. (laughs) Come on. And he waits all this time to tell people that he had a revelation and a vision that most people will never, ever, ever, ever see. And I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up in a paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about My what? I'm gonna boast about what? Uh, Would this would this go against Corinthian culture, where everybody's boasting about their strength? By the way, would this go against United States 2016 culture? Let's all lean in and share our weaknesses together, everybody. We're having a fellowship tonight. We're all gonna share our weaknesses. I think the room's going to be empty. But Paul says, I would rather tell you that I don't have it all together, that I don't have everything that I need, that there's something of a weakness going on inside of me. And here's the reason, Second Corinthians 12, 7, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, you wouldn't know anybody like that. They might be in the third service, but I was given a what? A thorn in my flesh. Now, we think of thorn, we think of roses and that great uh, classic song, every rose has its thorns, right? I'm not going to sing it. But, but notice what he says here. That thorn was a messenger from Satan, from the devil himself, to, to what? To torment me. Huh. So it, it came from the devil. Kind of remember Job's story? It came from the devil, but, but God had to allow it. Hang on. And when he prayed for it to be removed, God said, no way. Hmm. And there's something in Paul. Look, look at 12.7. There's something in Paul that says, if this didn't happen to me, I might become like you, Corinthians. I might become conceited. And then in verse 8, he says three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Three different times I begged, and it didn't happen. He says, I have a weakness. It's a messenger from Satan, and he recognizes it as such. God wouldn't do this to me, but why doesn't God remove it? Now, I have to stop here, and, and, and sorry, but I like this passage of Scripture a lot. And maybe you will too when I say this to you. Have you ever prayed for something that's a weakness? Maybe it's a physical condition. Maybe uh, it, it's an insecurity. Maybe it's an infirmity. Maybe, maybe it's an inferiority complex. Maybe you no know, matter how much love is bestowed upon you, you never feel loved. Maybe, maybe it's something, and you prayed, and it's not removed. And I've heard preachers, I mean, I'm sorry, I've heard guys say and gals say, if you just had more faith, I heard one preacher who stuttered, he said, if you just had more faith, God would would, would heal you. I'm going, what about you, sir? Come on. You know who had more faith than anybody that I can tell you in the New Testament? the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, Paul, the guy who's writing this. Paul who was brought to the third heavens. Paul who met Jesus on the Damascus road, the power of the Holy Spirit, brought the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to him in the middle of the noonday. I mean, this is a guy of great faith. There are cathedrals named after him. And he prayed and God said no. And I feel good about that. Because there have been times I prayed and God said no. But other times I prayed, I didn't hear anything. How about, no, Lord, please say something. I don't hear anything. I feel good. I'm sorry. I just had to take that little three-minute, little cul-de-sac there. By the way, you should feel good too. Because here's what he heard in verse 9. But God said to me, my grace is, is what? Sufficient. In other words, it's not the removal of the thorn, It's not the change of your circumstance. It's my grace that is greater than all that you face. I'm the greater than God, and I will be with you. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. I will celebrate, he says. I will applaud the fact that I've got issues in my life. How about that for new therapy? Well, you're here to remove the issues of your life. And God said no. So get over it. Celebrate them and allow your weakness to be intersected with the greatness of God. And that's where the grace of God becomes sufficient for you. Do not allow your weakness to become an excuse to not produce. Let me say it again. Do not allow your weakness to become an excuse to not produce. I don't have it. I can't get it. Therefore, I won't give any contribution away. I won't give to others because I need. I, I, I have need. And I know people who love Jesus and they worship Jesus, but in their heart of hearts, they're waiting for something magical, mystical to happen in their soul so they can start actually contributing to other people you know what I say? Start contributing. Because God's grace is sufficient and God will meet you at the intersection of your weakness and his divinity with his greatness and it will boggle your mind. The paraphrase of this is, my grace is great enough for you for where there is weakness, my greatness is able to be seen more clearly. That's why God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. (laughs) Years ago, there was a guy that came here, he was working on his doctoral thesis from Fuller Theological Seminary, and he came here. We were under construction. We were just, his wall was all ripped out, because that part over there wasn't here, and and it was plywood, and... (laughs) And he came to do this thing, and, and he heard me preach, and, and I'm gonna just gonna tell you the truth. I promise, It's exactly the way he said it. He, he came outside, he said, hey, can, can I take 10 minutes? I got an interview for my doctoral dissertation. You're one of the churches that were identified as a place I go, and, and he goes, I heard you preach. Why would anybody come listen to you? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I don't have a clue. And when I talk to young pastors coming out of the preacher factory, you know what I say to them? If anybody comes to your church or your youth group or your ministry or your Bible study, if anybody shows up, raise your hands and praise the Lord. And if they come back the next week, get on your face before God and say, I don't know why. And that's what I said to him. It was so refreshing for him to hear because he interviewed a lot of other big pastors and growing churches and all of them said, well, you know, we work really hard on the sermon. We got really nice graphics and signs and lights. And, and, we, and he talked about all the leadership principles. And I said, I don't know. I don't know why God has chosen to bless. I have no idea. I don't even know why you came back from last Sunday, those of you who were here last Sunday. I have no idea. But I do know this, that God's grace is sufficient. And where there's arrogance and pride, God resists the proud. I'm just here to tell you in humility, I'm not that good. And I'm so glad. I'm glad I'm not that good. And, I, and my grammar's poor. There are English teachers that come to this church. I don't know how they put up with it. Because sometimes my language is its grammatically incorrect. And I spent three hours writing that little four-minute video. Concerned that someone would get turned off by it. And I said, Well, really? Put my hat in the political arena, tell people to vote. I'll tell you, it's crazy out there. Hello? But that's why, for Christ's sake, verse 10, I delight in my weakness. I actually delight. The word delight is a very strong word. I'm safe in my own skin. I'm okay with the fact that God's brought me this. And I'm okay in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am what? When I am what? Listen, some of us are weak and we won't admit it. We won't tell the Lord, I'm weak. We're Corinthians. I got it all together, Lord. Look at how good I look. I'm looking better now, God, aren't I? I can take it from here, Lord. You, you got me started, training wheels. I, I can ride the bike from here. And we get into our self-sufficiency, and we don't read our Bible, we don't pray, we don't confess, and, we, and pretty soon we, we start believing that our ability is sufficient for us rather than his grace is sufficient. God is greater than my weakness. Don't allow your weakness to become an excuse to not produce. And a lesson that we've shared many times here, don't despise anything that drives you to your knees in prayer. And Paul went to the Lord three times and didn't despise a thorn in the flesh. And actually, we don't know if he prayed more than three. We just know he told the Corinthians three. I think he prayed more than three, my opinion. Because had he said, I prayed 49 times, that would be another boast that he's a man of prayer. And he didn't want to boast. I just threw that out. So number one, God is greater than my infirmities. Uh, The word thorn here would be more than just uh, the thorn on a rose. It would be more like a stake or a spear. I have a spear in my side. And you can throw your hat in the ring of opinion. Uh, Some people believe he had a deformity. Some people believe he was unattractive because uh, he'd been beaten and left for dead so many times. Uh, In uh, chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, he says his appearance was an obstacle for people receiving the message. Other places, um, they say he had epilepsy. And in Paul's day, if you had epilepsy, you were spat upon. And there's a passage in Galatians that says, thank you for not spitting on me. And uh, epileptics were believed to be demonic, possessed by demonic spirits. And and a lot of people say, uh, as in Galatians 6, where he's writing in his own hand, he says, my, my, my font size is really large because I'm writing with my own hand. Some people believe he had bad eyesight. Whatever it is, I mean, there was other you know, intestinal problems. and whatever, whatever it is, God is greater than our weakness. God is greater than anything that we face, anything of our infirmities. Number two, God is greater than my inabilities, and a lot of times we, um, we think about our weaknesses, and we don't want to think very long. I was on an oral panel um, some time ago for hiring new police officers, and one of the questions was, what is your weakness? Any of you had a, 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 a oral board or a promotional thing, uh, the probably the last five years, they've been asking this question, uh, tell us what your weakness is. And, and this guy was great. You know what he said? He said, My weakness is um, um, I, I work too much. My weakness is any task thrown in front of me. I'll just I'll work myself to the bone and, and I'm trying to learn to throttle back a little bit. Now, now, notice what he's saying in that. He's boasting about how great he works when they're asking him about his weakness. You don't hear anybody say, uh, Tell us about your weakness. Well, I'm late to work all the time and I don't get along with people, you know. Or I heard somebody else say, My, my weakness is I'm too compassionate. I, I care a lot about the teams that I'm a part of. I try to make a difference, not only on the job, but off the job and caring for people. So I need to throttle back a little bit on that. I mean, you see how you do that? Years ago, I don't know if you ever took the strength finder test. Did anybody ever take a strength finder? Yeah, when I took the strength finder test, I was really happy about what I found out. It was nice. But I think Paul the Apostle would be saying, "Um, can we do a week?" finder test, to find our weakness, because we disguise our weaknesses and we announce our strengths. We disguise our weaknesses and we announce our strengths. And there's a pride that comes when we do that. And remember this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. Did you guys don't know that verse? God resists the, come on, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Lord, I don't have what I need to be the person you've called me to, to be a friend to others, to to be a spouse to my husband or my wife, to be the parent. I I don't have what I need, Lord. And here's, here's my if you would give me strength in this area, that's great. But if you don't, your grace is sufficient for me. I think of what we talked about last week when Peter was restored, and the Lord says, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times, and three times that he denied Jesus. And then he gets up and he preaches in Acts 2 and Acts 3. It's just phenomenal. And in Acts 4, we we used this verse last week when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been where? With Jesus. We noticed they were unschooled. Here's another word. They had no education. We noticed they were ordinary men. No one to boast about in Corinth. We noticed they didn't have it all together, but we were astonished how God's grace and greatness met their weakness To create this astonishment because they had simply been with Jesus. A year ago, I attended the Foursquare Missions Press Dinner in Anaheim. And this is where we have our own, uh, some of you don't know this, but our own printing press, uh, pretty pretty elaborate system. Uh, We create these little boxes for kids. I know that, you know, Samaritan's Purse has boxes, but Foursquare does it too. And Our Kids Ministries has helped in the past, and some of our missions offering goes towards that. And um, I I met Charlotte Erdley, and she got this award. You're going to see in a second this clip where she actually receives this award and and comes forward. Her story is phenomenal. Um, Some of you may remember Jim and Melinda Scott. Um, They are our Foursquare Missions uh, directors, and Charlotte is Melinda's mother, and she did not allow her infirmity, her weakness to somehow hold her back. And she certainly didn't allow her inability to be an excuse to not produce. Well, when she came forward in her wheelchair, pushed by her son-in-law to receive her award, she got a standing ovation. And after it was over and dinner and everything died down, I, I went up to tell her thank you. And she reached her hand out to me and uh, said a prayer over me and you got to understand it took everything she had to physically articulate this prayer but well, i felt the presence of god through a woman that some would say well she's got an infirmity she has a weakness but see the greatest great greatness of god is related to the extent that i recognize my own weaknesses so she recognized look i've got a i've got an infirmity but i can make bracelets and by the way, all those little beads are different colors as they share the gospel with children around the world. A little white bead is the end of the story where Christ makes us whiter than the snow because of His forgiveness. And all those kids holding up their little bracelets that this lady made with one hand and her mouth. I mean, she's putting her life into this, and I, I know that that's a year old, so she's far surpassed 100,000 bracelets. Hey my, my question is, don't don't. Don't let your weakness become an excuse to not produce what God's asking you to produce. Don't let your limitations stand in the way of anything because 2 Corinthians 12:4. This is what Paul's telling you today. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the challenge is what is a weakness that you will not allow God to work through? I don't like certain kind of people. That's a weakness. Will you allow God to change that? I I, I don't, you know, want to reach out to someone. I I would never pray for someone out loud. That's a weakness. I would never walk up to somebody and share the gospel with them. That's a weakness. I I, you know, there's stuff about me that I I don't want to give up. And and if I did, then I could really love my wife more, or I could love my kids more, or I could love my husband more, or I could love my friends more, my neighbors more. How many times have we missed out on God's grace and power, not because it wasn't available, but because we didn't want to be vulnerable and ask for help? And number three, God is is greater than our insecurities. He's greater than our insecurities. And sometimes in our insecurity, we won't ask anybody for help, let alone ask God for help. I, I was thinking about when I was in high school, and um, that's a long time ago, and I used to be on the track team. You can see visibly that's a long time ago. And, and we got to go in the weight room, and, and I liked the old school weights. I mean, we had the, the machines where you could put the little plug in and lift the weights and stuff, and, and pulleys. I didn't like that. I liked the old school stuff. So I, I, I sat down at the bench, and, and uh, my friend Randy was supposed to be my spotter, and, but I was cool. You know? I didn't, no, I don't need your help. And I just had a small amount of weights because I wasn't going after you know the amount of weight. I was going after reps, man. So I'm you know, 10, 20, 25. You know, I'm a senior in high school, man. I'm just pumping iron. I'm just going to town. You know, 36, 30, as loud as I get. 42. You, know. you know, eight pounds. You know. But, but I got to tell you, as the reps got more... I became a little more cocky and I kept going and beyond what I know I should normally do. And I still remember to this day that that the blood drained from my arms. I had no blood flow. And this whole arm went numb on me. No, I wasn't having a heart attack. I was just being stupid, doing too many reps. And the bar started to, to fall. And it wasn't a lot of weight, but when you've lost your arm strength, even a little weight's a lot. He would empty bars a lot. And Randy said, You want to help now? And you know what I said? No, stay away from me. Boom, the bar came in my chest. And, you know, Randy came over and said, You don't have a choice. And he picked the weight off of me. And, and I don't know why I thought of that in this sermon. I, I just did. Because I was too cool, too cool for school. and... And if you're too cool, it'll make you a fool, I promise. And I wouldn't ask for help. And I I thought about this in in this message because 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 8, and 9 says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead? I see somebody to raise the bar. And Randy came and looked down at me and picked up the bar, put it in the slot, and I brushed myself off. My arm was in severe pain. And I walked away with a lesson that day, it's still in my mind. In our insecurity, in our infirmity. In our inability, we can we can say, "I got this, Lord, I I can handle this." But look who we're dealing with—the God who raises the dead. And so, I just think the message today is a message that we have to allow the Lord to speak in the middle of our weakness. That we have to remember this is the God that's greater than anything that we face, and even in our weakness. He can use us. Don't allow your weakness to be an excuse to not produce. I don't have it. I'm not going to give it. I don't have what my spouse needs, so they're not getting it. I don't have what my kids need. I don't even like my neighbor. And how about we just say to God, Lord, here's my weakness. Here's what I feel about my coworkers. Here's what I feel about my kids. Yeah, they were once a gift from God, but now they're Now they're a thorn in the flesh. That's a biblical term. You can use that. That's not cursing or profanity. It's just Lord, thank you for little Johnny, the thorn in the flesh. <laughs> but when you articulate your need for God to meet you at the corner of Weakness and divinity, that's when his greatness comes. And I just want you to know, we're about ready to leave. Prayer team will be down front to pray with you under the cross. And there's places for you to step out and serve with our post-game party and our harvest party. People out front to connect you with that. I just want you to hear that God is this amazing spotter who's standing right above you. And he walks by all the people who boast, all the Corinthians. They don't need me. They don't need me. They don't need me. And he looks for somebody who says, Lord, my arms are tired. I've lost the blood flow. It's drained out of my hands. I'm weary at doing well. I need your help. I, I don't have it. But, oh, God, may your grace be sufficient for me. And I pray this, that somebody will walk up to you and say, you know what, you're not all that. But I'm sure astonished and amazed by your life. I know you and your wife aren't that smart. How come you're doing so well? Oh, that's a good day. (laughs) Because then you could look at them and say, we've been with Jesus. He's our spotter and his grace is sufficient for us. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.